Welcome to a special episode of John's Comic Corner. This is a really great episode because we actually did this one live a couple days ago. This episode features our writer John Petrie, Matthew Klein, and our special guest, Andrea. It would have also featured me, but due to a technical error, we don't have my audio. And because of that, there may be a couple awkward skips or jumps where my audio should have been, but where it just isn't now. We apologize for the inconvenience. This episode covers the comic Witches by Scott Snyder and Jock. As always with John's Comic Corner, there are spoilers abound. You've been warned. Also, it looks like we're going to be live streaming more content. If you want to see us live, you can find us on twitch.tv forward slash the superhero podcast. Finally, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash the superhero podcast. If you want to partake in one of these episodes, like Andrea, you can support us at the $10 tier on Patreon. Episodes are Wonder Woman parts one, two, three, and four, and then we have four episodes of Madame Xanadu, um, which are interconnected, but not uh, not an overarching storyline. Anyway, irrelevant to the story. Getting back to so after, at one of the many conversations that we were having in a meeting, um, we thought it would be a good idea to reach out to some people that we know and try and find some people that we don't know. I would ask them some seemingly random questions and then recommend some comics for them. So Andrea, you are our first guinea pig and our first live show. How exciting. It's Yeah. I'm very excited to be here. I'm very glad that I uh, got to read the one I got to read today too. I'm really excited to share with everybody too. Well, thank you for joining us. And we did. I'm trying to, this, this is literally the corner of my apartment. So I'm <laughs> it's, trying it's to. It's your comics corner. Yeah. I'm, I, I feel like I'm, I'm, you know, fixing my wig here, my my Diana Rigg hairdo. Oh, we're oh, past Diana that. Rigg. We're past that, John. I'm sorry. Um, okay, so we did Witches, uh, written by Scott Snyder mm-hmm. and drawn by Jock. Um, it was published in 2014. And Matthew and I actually, well, the first issue came out in 2014. Yes. Let me be, let me be specific about that. Um, and Matthew, you have a very fun Scott Snyder story about it. No, so uh, it was 2014, and it was, I want to say it was probably like October, because this this book came out, I want to say, around Halloween. Um, yeah, it came out uh, right before Halloween. Right before Halloween, right, on 2014. And Scott Snyder, the writer, uh, would come and frequent the comic book shop that John and I worked at at the time, called uh, Forbidden Planet in Manhattan. And Scott actually came in because I'm going to call him Scott like we're friends. We're not, but I'm going to just, I've met him a few times and I've seen his public persona and therefore he's like, he's like my best friend without being my best friend because I don't have many best friends. And uh, what happened was Scott actually came into the store and uh, cornered me and had me charging his cell phone. And while charging his cell phone um, it, with the store's power, he told me to read issue one on his phone. They were sending it to the printer um, that day. And so that was super cool. Not going to lie. I had to check in with my manager who was not John. You were not on that shift. Um, it was Matt D and I had to check in and be like, is this, is this okay? Like, he's, I'm not going to help customers for the next like five minutes. Is this all right? Um, and then I got to work the midnight signing. He actually came to the store, um, at midnight 
to sign for customers while they were there. And it was my last event um, at Forbidden Planet before I went and worked at uh, a comics publisher where John and I currently are today. Um, yes, and so was, Matthew and I both worked that event and mm -hmm. Scott Snyder was the most lovely person. Um, he came in, um, he stayed for every single person who wanted anything signed. Um, and he just was absolutely a, a very kind, very sweet, um, well, very lovely One of the person. cool things, Andrea, is you, you never know when you meet your heroes, right? Uh, are they gonna be, you know, how are they gonna be? For sure. And he brought four bottles of Prosecco and That's little awesome. Dixie cups. And, and part of why it's pronounced yes. Prosecco. It's pronounced Prosecco. No, not in my apartment. It's okay. Prosecco. Oh, no. It's pronounced Prosecco. It's Prosecco. Thank you. <laughs> nope, not. No, no, no. You're never going to convince me otherwise. But he bought four bottles of this sparkling substance and, and, uh, and Dixie cups. And he would pour a Dixie cup full um, for every customer who came up to him, everybody who wanted an autograph until he ran out. And he did check IDs. Just he did check IDs. Yes, no, no, no. Awesome. He would not pour. He, he checked IDs. Well, he had us check IDs. Too. Right. That's awesome. <laughs> it was pretty great. And then after it closed, he stayed for two more hours just to sign stuff for the the staff and for the store. And he was, and he still had to get his kid to school at eight a.m. the next morning. So. Yes. Somewhere in the boxes of my comics is assigned which is number one, which I still haven't been able to find, which That's means amazing. that I filed it somewhere that I can't think of because two for some moves, reason. Two moves, I can't find mine either. It's yeah, I decided, true. for some reason, I decided to not organize them alphabetically. This is, that's a side note, Ooh, sorry. And I'm gonna fool. do one more side note. A mistake. I know, <laughs> but, but, but irrelevant to the story. Um, but Andrea, uh, to, to piggyback off of what Matthew said, mm -hmm. I have to say, um, because actually you and I both worked for Barnes and Noble, yep. we've both been to signings. We've both seen signings of authors that we like. Yeah. I will have to say the only industry and we had signings for musicians. We had signings for TV people, film people, uh, signings for authors, obviously. Um, I will say the nicest, the nicest creators are always comic creators. Every single comic creator that I have gotten to meet has been absolutely lovely. That's so nice to hear about him. Um, we definitely, Josh and I worked at Barnes Noble together, and it's really funny to, yeah, it's really the funny to God, hear that. Ladies and gentlemen. The first um, signing that Josh and I had to experience at Barnes Noble, the guy was an author, and he decided to uh, pull out his uh, alto saxophone, his soprano saxophone, excuse me, and just start his own concert without telling anybody in the middle of the Barnes Noble. And then his friend came with a flute ah. and started, they just started railing it, just going a full concert in the middle of the Barnes and Noble. Like they had planned it, but they hadn't. And it was awful. And it was. <laughs> and, so... Andrew, I want you to know, and this might be 2020 getting to me, but when you said he just pulled out, I was so relieved it was a soprano saxophone. Yeah, it had so to have been. Yeah. Two. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Oh, oh, and okay. before yeah. we go there, let's let's, let's actually you're gonna bring back, back to, to why we're here let's, to talk about let's talk the witches. Scott, let's yes. talk Scott Snyder and and Josh and Jocks with witches. Okay. Jock, so. another lovely man who I've shared a drink with at a show or two. 
lovely. It's wonderful. Oh. Absolutely lovely. Yes. Cannot I feel say like I've met him as well. You've met him in but... passing. I was there for it. Okay. Um, okay. So let's talk a little bit about witches. So yeah. um, let's talk. Let's start kind of with a general horror in general. Um, a general kind of horror question. Um, I have not. I grew up <clears throat> many moons ago in the seventies um, and eighties when horror was kind of synonymous with slasher. So in my mind, still to this day, horror is like Michael and Freddie and Jason, and that's what it's all about. And it took me a very long time to kind of realize that horror was much more than that. Um, Andrea, are you good with horror? Do you like it? Is this something that? Right. I yeah. know you like true crime. Yes, I love true crime. Always have been a huge fan of true crime. Um, I am a huge lover of horror as well. Um, I think that horror has its basis in this fact that um, evil can only really be in other people in these scary monsters that you um, see that it's only really these 1% of people, this just this really small population of people that you'll never meet in your day-to-day life the like the weird guy in the bush that's going to jump out and get you you're never going to know that person that person's never going to be someone in your life um but then i think we've moved into horror as this place now in your life that you know people in your your day-to-day life that are very much capable of doing terrible things um and it might even be you so i think that witches was very good about getting into this modern type of horror where um people are just not we always expect them to be or want them to be and it turns into this it turns out that they're not good always Mm -hmm. um matthew what's your experience with horror so i um i was a scaredy cat um between the ages of six and eight i didn't sleep through the night because i watched terminator 2 judgment day that's how low the bar was for horror for me growing up. So I never watched Freddy or Jason or Michael Myers until I was in my twenties. Um, I was, I became a suspense fan later on in life when I was getting my teens. Um, so I was getting accustomed to a little bit of the jump scare kind of trope and, and the use of music. Cause so much of horror, I feel like is influenced by the sound design, um, in so many ways in the, in the quick edits. Um, so that was it. And it really wasn't until like probably like in my 20s that I really started going like, all right, I should I should watch some horror and see what this is all about. And I'm actually I actually have a list on my computer of recommended horror films because uh, my goal is I want to write a horror film script in part to overcome my horror aversion. Oh, very nice. Oh, can we curse on this? I know Josh just dropped an F word, so I wasn't sure. We're already PG-13, veering towards R, so... Fucking A. Cheers to that. Great. Okay, now, I do want to join... I do just want to say, before we start, just so everybody is aware, we try our best to avoid spoilers. There's no way that we're going to, especially with this book, so please understand that. Here's your warning. If you've not read this book, go and read it now, pause it, and come back. Or just stay with us. Pause the live broadcast. We'll still be talking. So don't or, worry about it. Better yet, just stay with us. Yeah. And then um, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll make sure. We'll, 
I ch always check at the end to make sure that I gave a good recommendation and then you can go with Andrea's recommendation of whether I made a good choice or not. Anyway, so um, the thing that I wanna start off with that is, is the thing that I argued the last time um, that Matthew and I spoke about this, um, which is gonna break the internet in half. I tell you, this is gonna cause a Twitch storm. That was a really terrible analogy, but I'm going to go with Just it. Just go with it. Just stick with it. Commit. I still, I have, I reread this again last night and I, I am convinced that this is a horror tale second and it is a fairy tale first. And I said it and I know it and I know that people are going to disagree with me, but there's a couple of reasons why. Almost everything in this book, like from the, the moment it starts, now, normally, of course, in in fairy in fairy tales and in horror in general, you know, the child is always the innocent victim. This does not start off with an innocent victim child. Was anyone else, Andrew, were you startled when the kid decided to brain his mother with the rock at the beginning? Uh, and I just spoiled, so sorry. It's it's the beginning. Yeah, it's not a spoiler. It's the I beginning. Mean... <laughs> um, yeah, of course I was. It was. The beginning of the book is really um, intense. You really don't know what's going to happen until it happens. Um, just because it's so, it's getting you into the mood of what's the whole comic is going to be about and what the whole theme of it is. Um, and so that twist is really intense. Uh, but it's also, I think, again, hits on that theme that I was talking about earlier that we don't really know who the bad guys are in this until we get to the end of the story. Um, and you don't really know what's inside of you until you have to face it. So, and I think that is like you're saying, I would agree with you that this is very much a fairy tale rather instead of with horror aspects to it. Um, it's very much got like the hero's journey piece to it. It's very much got the, you know, um, fairy tales are often used to describe um, children going into adulthood. And I think that's very true for this as well. So I would definitely agree with that sentiment. Yeah, and the and I'm I'm going to I went through and made a bunch of notes last night, and every mm -hmm. time there was something that reminded me of a fairy tale, I was like, page three hundred and twenty-seven. Yeah, <laughs> but literally, it's like we forget. For example, you know, we always sort of think of Snow White as you know this pure innocent singing to the birds, and you know the animals help her make the pies. We forget that the in the original story, when she gets married to the prince, she puts iron hot. She puts red hot iron shoes on her stepmother and makes them dance granted her stepmother did try to kill her so i'm not saying it's not justified i'm, I'm gonna say like there's there's a there's a reasonable retribution going on in that story yeah i'm not saying but let's just say that that you know snow white girl, girl got vengeance on her mind at the end there so the seven dwarfs know. were a little different in the original yeah um, well we're just gonna yeah <laughs> Um, I didn't say we were going to go deep into fairy tales, but, you know, we can. Um, that's a whole other story. Let's do that another time. Um, now, the, uh, the, when it starts, the thing that's interesting, one of the things that struck me was the opening conversation that Charlie, Charlie Brooks, the father, um, is talking to Sailor about, which is he's talking about the, the cutesy killer thing, how to kill monsters. And what's really interesting to me is, and, and this had not struck me until last night's, I don't know, fourth or fifth reading, um, that we prepare children and our parents prepare us for things that we don't realize they're preparing us for. Um, did anyone else have that feeling or was that just me? 
No, I definitely had that too. Um, I have also taken many a college course on fairy tales. And so um, that's often what fairy tales were meant to do. They were meant to prepare kids for parts of life that parents didn't really necessarily want to describe in detail to them. Um, they're often actually based on a lot of like low tones of racism because it's you can't trust your neighbor. You can't trust the people around you because you don't know them. And uh, they may be the people that are going to turn on us and start the war next. Um, and so it's, it's often supposed to be the way of telling children things that they don't necessarily know how to deal with at the time because they're little. Um, but then that's help you feeling better about as a parent that you're preparing them better for the world. Yeah. Now, the other thing that struck me in the first issue, uh, um, and first, um, and spoiler alerts in full effect here, guys, um, with the whole um, sailor getting bullied by Annie, and she's sort of wishing death on her, kind of a reverse monkey's paw kind of thing, instead of bringing someone back to life, you're wishing them dead. And the father says, well, thinking and doing aren't the same aren't the same thing but kind of in her mind they are i'm just sort of wondering um you know because there is a relationship between horror anxiety and scott snyder has talked about his anxiety and his depression um and i'm just wondering if you guys thought that this was almost um i almost i i i of course you empathize with sailor because she's the main character but i was like this is really a lot for a kid to be thinking that they caused someone's death like that alone causes anxiety yeah <laughs> just curious if it was just me or somebody else i mean i i just it was one of those things again that struck me last night well no and i think that there's there's a little bit of a commentary there too of of there is a sense of you have to grow up faster now. There is a sense of, of children and adolescents and early teenagers who are being thrust into adulthood very quickly, um, especially with more access to the world, with more technological access, more bridges to other content out there. Um, you know, so, so I definitely think that, to, to your point earlier, John, of evidence that this does relate more to a fairy tale than to straight horror. Um, this is a very much, this is a coming of age story in a lot of ways for Sailor. But it's also, I think, there's an argument to be made that there is a coming of age for Charlie as well, who reads, especially in those first couple scenes, much younger, much more immature. Almost like he's, he's trying to be the cool dad, but he, he, he is coming of age as a parent and he's coming of age of the responsibilities of parenthood in a lot of ways, which is very fascinating with, unless I'm totally off base. Oh, I don't think so. And that actually brought me to one of the themes that for me is constantly going through this book. And I think goes through, through fairy tales and through horror in general, which is that children see things that adults don't see and the adults are constantly telling them that's not real, that's not there, you know? I mean, I know my parents were like, there are no monsters under the bed. Um, but they you're were convinced they, that there were. Yes, I mean, they were just giant dust bunnies, but yes, they were under the bed. But yeah, I, I think that there is a, a constant theme of, of being an adult versus being a, a child 
and the idea that children are, um, I don't necessarily know if more sensitive, but I mean, that that is a recurring theme through fairy tales and through horror in general. I mean, the idea of the poltergeist and the idea of, of uh, uh, Bruce Willis dead. Oh, Sixth Sense, yeah. Thank you. Well, no, it, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's a, it's a recurring kind of trope where the idea is that the older you get, the less connected to fundamental forces, to more primal um, aspects of one's own nature, of one's experiences, of one's world. Um, you know, there are a lot of things where, you know, to be a child, you can be connected to magic. When you're an adult, you can't. Peter Pan, you know, is a perfect example of that sort of thing. The children believe you can fly. They believe in Neverland. Um, the parents have outgrown it even though as a kid they might have themselves, right? And so you you see that a lot, I think, in horror. You see that a lot in fairy tales, for sure. Yeah. Um, the other thing, that one of the main things, and I, there's no way to talk about this without spoiling this, and I'm, I'm going to kind of jump back and forth. Apologies for the um, story whiplash here. But... Do you just me, have an apology the... screen pop up anytime that John is going to say apologies? Please, let's do that. Canva is a wonderful thing. He Um, just ruined the sixth sense, too. He just did it without even thinking about it. (laughs) Sixth sense right now. There's no no reason to watch that movie once you know the the, the twist. You've definitely had enough time that you should that should be on your head by now. That if you haven't seen it, that that's your own fault. But you you were probably still a child of innocence at that point. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Uh, But one of the the overarching things in this, of course, for me is be careful what you wish for. Sure. Um, which I think it's one of those things where, um, do you think is this is one of those things like the difference between childhood and adulthood that I'm not sure. Um, Andrea, let me throw this question to you. Do you think when you think about your 13, 14 year old self and you think mm-hmm. about yourself now, do you think, that there are things that you would have wished for as a child that now you'd be like, absolutely not because this and this and this would have happened. Right. Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, when you're young, you can see that things are so easy. Things are just so clean and clear and black and white. It must just happen this way. If it's, you know, it can just, you can snap your fingers and things can change so fast. But, um, which is always the trope they do on TV. You're just a kid. You don't understand. Things are so much more difficult now than they are. You'll see one day when you're older, you know? Um, but I think what's kind of interesting about witches is that, um, Sailor can just so clearly see what's happening. She knows exactly what's happening, that there's monsters in the woods and they're chasing her. They're coming for her. Um, which nobody else will believe her or the adults in her life won't believe her no one will see it because it's just like monsters don't exist like that but her dad starts to see all of these gray areas in the life that we have around us what's happening around us is so different with the townspeople with their participation with the witches with how things happen with the forest all of that's so intertwined and everything's just so hard to explain and make happen that it's just yeah i would say it's very similar to that dichotomy it's just and and i think i think you picked up on a great thing there andrea where it's 
so much when, especially when um, kids, teenagers are kind of the protagonists of stories, the the generational conflict is so much of their point of view is dismissed, right? Their point of view is over-exaggerated because the world that you have as a kid is much more immediate and it's much more tangential to what's going on with you. Part of adulthood is learning that your actions have consequences not just for you, but for other people. And that sense of awareness of how much of an impact community has with each other. And here you have this wonderful illustration of, of a kid who is disbelieved um, when there's a very clear and present danger. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And I think, Josh, I'm going to throw this to you. Um, but it's sort of when I, when I read this, not sort of, when I read this, one of the things that kind of, that always hits me is how our wishes can be so unconscious and so terribly, terribly selfish. Um, you know, the most the most common word in the English language is I and derivatives thereof. So we know that people are, we know that, that there is that self-centeredness. But what's interesting is there are several times throughout the book where, um, uh, where Charlie actually says, maybe if we'd done something different, I wish we'd done something different. And I wonder if that's what puts the idea into the mother's mind. And I realize that's not really a question, but... Um, Josh, I'm going to let you discuss, if you would like. Well, no, but that does bring up the interesting question of do the witches, would the witches have power without human selfishness? Are we, as selfish creatures, which is not to call anyone on here or anyone who's watching selfish, but... We all are, are selfish. Yeah. We all have selfishness. That's okay. I know. I was trying to be polite. Thank you for... You, you're, you can be you polite. I'm just going to be the asshole. So. Okay. Um, uh, I'm going to get you a t-shirt for Christmas that just says asshole on it. Can it, can um, it be for Hanukkah? Yeah, that's true. Thank you. Sorry. That was rude it's of fine. me. I just it's automatically... And it's not that I don't know that you celebrate Hanukkah. Because <laughs> I usually text you, happy Hanukkah. You do. Anyway. It's very thoughtful. He's a very thoughtful guy. Guys. I try. But getting back to Witches by <laughs> Scott Schneider and Jock. Um, you, is it, you know, would the witches have this much power if it wasn't for human selfishness? I don't know. What do you think, Andrea? No. I don't think so. Yeah. I don't think so. Um, they definitely... So we, feed off of it yeah right it's, so really the worst monsters are the humans it's not it goes right sure. back to andrea's point you know the the beauty of horror a true elemental horror is that the fear the demon the obstacle the challenge the force is something that's actually intrinsic to the human experience mm -hmm. that you're trying to overcome and so much of it is a manifestation of your basest fears of your basest impulses that we have been trained to believe is wrong, right? Yeah. Or that we are being trained to believe are wrong. Um, and I think that this is a perfect example of that. Well, I it's, think it brings a, I'm sorry, who was going to okay. talk? I, yeah, I was just saying it's, your, it's their greatest hubris just put on display for the entire town to see. And absolutely. They just, yeah. It, well, I think it does bring up, Matthew, to your point, 
the idea of that sort of wildness, that I, that idea of those sort of wild and savage impulses are interesting because those wild and savage impulses bring things from the woods, from the savage area mm -hmm. in, you know, there's constantly, there's go to the irons, go where there's no trees, go where there's, you know, well, what is where there's no trees? Is that civilization? Is that the middle of a city? It's, you know, in my head, it's just civilization. Um, but we can't help but have these, we as humans, not we, the four of us, can't help but have those savage impulses um, that really bring about the destruction of ourselves, of our family, of other people, of strangers that we don't know. Um, and now I've depressed myself. <laughs> Yeah, guys, don't feel sorry for him. He does that every day, though. So That's don't, true. Don't don't go there. Um, That's true. You can find this... you can find solace in the fact, John, that not all of the people in the comic are terrible like that. No, they have a and... lot of really great characters that come out of this and show that they can fight against the the monsters. They can fight against their inner demons that make them want to well, become like these and I think... other people. There's got to be three. Oh, we can get to several. There's well, there's Sailor and and her father Charlie. Mm -hmm. Is Charlie a good character though? Is he a good person? Here's the thing that's interesting. Yeah. Here here is one of the things that's interesting to me. Go is on. His whole book is about getting what you want. Like that he he's a writer. He's a graphic novelist, and he writes a book called The Night Arcade. Um, well, he's a, he's also a children's novelist. He's not just, right. yeah, I mean, yes. specifically going back to the fairy tale argument middle, that you're going, like one, more, one more thing in your, sure. Yeah, like middle grade. Um, so, but, uh, so of the Night Arcade, which is a book where in the book, the children get everything that they want. This one child is transported through a funhouse mirror to a land where it's all, there's no school and it's all cake and candy and there's no rules and the kids can do whatever they want. And of course, the moral of the story is, you know, that's dangerous. So it's kind of interesting to me that he, I, I do think he's a good guy because I think that when he gets to the point where he stops drinking, when the mother has the accident and he stops drinking and he really is forced to grow up as a parent and, you know, be, be a parent, um, that I do think he is the one adult who realizes that getting what you want is dangerous, which is kind of, um, it, it's almost like the, uh, the, the, uh, the ending line in the wizard of Oz, you know, now I know if I'm, I, I was about to break into my Judy Garland impression. So I'm just going to do it. Please. We'll um, get 20 more uh, viewers if you do it. Will we? Yes. Um, you know, I had the strangest dream and you were there and you, and you, and well, now I know if I'm looking for happiness, well, I'll never look further than my own backyard because if it wasn't there, I never really lost it to begin with. That was my Judy Garland impression. Thank you. Bravo, bravo. But, Snaps and claps. Thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> but I mean, that is that is, is sort of kind of universal. That is a universal theme. Be careful what you wish for. And to me, that is what makes him the most responsible adult. Am I am I off? Tell me that I'm wrong. We'll have a good. I think you're wrong, actually. I I would probably actually argue against that. I think. Okay. I think in part because he has the ability to stop this, to stop mm -hmm. what's coming, and he allows for it to still happen. I think that on 
on many wait, levels that makes him worse. Wait, where does he have the ability to stop it? He could take her away from this town. He could run off with her. He could He has the ability to He, he does try to do that. He he, yeah, stays... he gives up pretty easy. He gives up pretty easy. He's... I don't know that he gives up. I think he realizes that he can't get his wife and his child out of it. So he sacrifices himself. He pledges himself. I I don't know. I think that I think that Charlie on some level has a nice guy syndrome. Um and I think that his actions are still the action of his own selfishness, of his own guilt. Um, and not necessarily out of just the altruism for his child. Okay, so 8.39 Eastern Time on October 9th, 2020, and Matthew Klein is wrong. Um... It's fine. Everyone can have an opinion and still be wrong. Just so so you're aware, this is actually probably the least passionate fight we've had about comics (laughs) Probably, yeah. No, this is very tame. I, I believe I've said to him on more than one occasion at Forbidden Planet, I can't believe you like that shit. So <laughs> there are comics that we have thought about much more passionately. But it anyway, is. so I, I understand where you're coming from. Um, Andrea, Josh, I'm going to need you to, to break the tie. Josh, or after you. cause the tie if it's two on two. Yeah. And I I actually would completely disagree with that and say that if he wasn't being selfish he would have found a way to leave with her and to be a father to her so that she wouldn't be alone. There's my argument. Um, I understand what you're saying, but here's the thing about fairy tales. There's always, children are almost always left alone. If you think of like every single fairy tale, and I think this is just, again, this is one of the reasons that I think this is a fairy tale and not a a horror piece second, a fairy tale first. Um, although one could make the argument that all fairy tales are horror, but we'll save that for another day. Um, but in every fairy tale, Hansel and Gretel, Cinderella, Sleeping Beauty, Snow White, um, the parent is always, always, always letting down the child, and the child has to really kind of fend for themselves. Um, okay, so Andrea, is this going to be is this going to be a three agreeing and one disagree, or is this going to be two and two? I don't know. I'm really torn Um, because I do see Matthew's point of that. It is his own greed. He's or his own guilt, like his own guilt. that's feeding into the fact that he hasn't been a stand-up father this entire time. And he's just trying his darndest now. And he realizes that he's the only one that cares about her anymore because the mother is completely given up on her. So he just has to do what he has to do to be the good parent and sacrifice for himself um but at the end of the day um what makes you look selfless is going to feed into his 
like, oh, now I'm not guilt-ridden anymore. Like, I let her go off and live a good life without me. I'm, I was such a crappy dad from the beginning, and she doesn't need me really anymore. So she can just go off. And I brought all of this badness into her life by marrying this woman that doesn't even care about her at the end of the day. And, you know, yada, yada, all this stuff. So, yeah. Now, and the mother very much blames him. Oh yeah, for uh, sure. Lucy very Absolutely. much blames him and actually says to him, "It, I think it. I wrote the quote down. I think. I'm saying I think you called them to us. So it, it's like, did, did he, did he? Because you were the one who pledged your daughter. So I'm yeah. not sure that I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that." See, and, and and for that it's like that's that's a very that's a very fun little wink um to the whole to the whole thing it gets a little literal there for my taste but it's a fun little nod Well, it, although actually this is interesting because this is part of the mother's history um I'm just gonna uh, spoiler alert uh, are we going in there i'm sorry i cut the pledge i i was just going to apologize for cutting the pledge conversation short um mostly because <laughs> i feel terribly guilty that i have not actually um dusted um the my my toys next to me but that's okay um i have a lot of wonder woman statues and i haven't dusted them and i feel terrible but this is kind of part of the mother's history because when she's talking about the people in her past that have been pledged. She says, um, oh, what does she say? I wrote this down again. Um, she says, oh, he was conceived to be pledged. And then it's interesting because she says to the father, um, you can, we can always have another child and we can do it right this time. And then what's interesting is in the little short story at the end, that's exactly the same thing that the brother says to his sister. Oh, you can have another one. And it's like, there's a lot of spare children running around and I'm not sure what you people think. Like, like it's not like the heir and the spare. Like they, I, they clearly have no trouble conceiving to any of these people. Like they're, they're not worried about it. They've got I, yeah, I'm like, okay, first of all, I, I was about to make a really bad birth control joke, but anyway. Um, I mean, you have to now. Well, I was just going to say... You can't like, set it up like that. Well, oh, no. I was going to say, you know, pledging your children is not birth control. Simply use a condom. The very act of using a condom... That's not a joke. You just turned it into a PSA, which is lovely. The very act of using a condom can not only protect you from things like an unwanted pregnancy, they can also protect you from sexually transmitted diseases. Just saying. The more you um, know. I'm sorry? We are, we are a sex-positive... Um, you know, show, that's for sure. 
We are so. sex positive. Now, Matthew, actually, interestingly enough, I'm going to throw oh, this question. Where did this segue come from? Where is this from? going? Yep. Thank you, Andrew. You're right there with me here. Um, I'm gonna th- I want to throw it to him first, but Andrea, don't worry. I'm going to also. Sweating now. I'm oh, thank God. Gonna, it's coming to me next. <laughs> it's going to come to you next. But it's interesting in that I see echoes of Tennessee Williams in this because almost all of Tennessee Williams' characters, the characters who all desired things, were all punished for it. Ooh, that's that's an interesting idea. I think also there's there's an interesting because Tennessee Williams does in many ways. There are several pieces that play with the kind of more macabre, gothic, and very complex um, family dynamics in a lot of his pieces. And and so much of his work is about repression um, and denying one's own impulses, one's own nature, which because again plays into who, this. Right, and because the people who wanted things, they were they were they all suffered. Yes, um, you know, and then and then in a lot of ways too, his characters will do a really terribly selfish act um, that changes everything. Um, or that they're driven to, which is, is a very interesting parallel that you've got there, John. So, Andrea, I'm going to throw that to you. Am I just reading too much into it? Yeah, um, I'm going to expose myself. I've never read Tennessee Williams. So. That's okay. We're going to do another John's Comics Corner <laughs> Where just, just for play, rec- play just and musical play recognition. recognition. We love it. And we're all going to listen to Carrie the Musical first. Oh, I've um, seen that. I've seen it. Been so wait, there, seen, done that. Seen okay. Oh, wait. the musical, but yes. not like wait, Tennessee wait, wait, wait. Desire. Mm-hmm. Can we stop yep. for one second? Wait, That's which ver- which version of Carrie did you say? I saw my local theater did one. Um, okay, it's actually was, like the Denver theater did it, but okay, was I this, can't remember. Was this the new one with the slow version of In? I don't know. Okay, so I, I have no answers for you, Joe. All right, so after <laughs> we go offline, we're we're going to talk about this. Fun fact. I note for anyone who cares, there there was a Carrie the Musical done with Betty Buckley, who played the gym teacher in the movie, um, who then played the mother in the original Broadway musical. It was one of Broadway's biggest flops. It played seven performances, lost a huge amount of money, oh. um, and um, but became a cult piece. I have a bootleg of it that was taped from the soundboard closing night because they never did a cast recording. Uh, later on, I don't know, 30 years later or something like that, I saw the revival of it at the Lucille Lortrell Theater. With I was going to say, it was MCC who did the revival of it. Yes. Which also Ooh. closed pretty quickly. Um, uh, well, it was, a, it was a limited run, but... Um, this time, they closed on purpose. Very funny. But um, shout out to Nora, our creative producer. Uh, in the chorus of um, the Carrie version that I saw was Andy Mientis, who plays Pied Piper on the CW series The Flash. Nora is a huge fan of Grant Gustin, not particularly of his acting, um, because I don't think she's ever actually seen him act, because she's usually too busy just looking at him. Just thought I'd show that, throw that out there. Okay, the thing... Wow. Um, that was a hell of a detour you just took us all down. With, it's with, such a dig on Nora. Where is was she? quite a dig on Nora. Okay, but... Was we're gonna I wrong? Have to, we're going to literally have to unbury her after this. Oh, was I, my God. Was I wrong in any way, shape, or form? <laughs> so let's talk about the art. I think that so, the art is really something 
you know, we're in a graphic novel, we're in a comic book, you have the story, but then you have the execution of the story, which is so much about Jock's artwork. And I think that for horror and for fairy tale, this is a much harder medium to convey so many of those kinds of elemental dread because you don't have the sound design, you don't have quick edits, you have very limited space to play with. And so I would just love to give a shout out to the amazingly talented Jock for what he does in this. Yeah, his artwork, uh, I mean, I I don't necessarily use this word um, for a lot of comic artists and I don't use it lightly, but his work is so beautifully atmospheric. It mm -hmm. sets a mood. It, it, doesn't just tell a story. It's 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 Truly. more than just storytelling. It's cinema cinematography. Cinematography. At its yeah. yeah. It's cinematography at its finest. It really is beautiful. Um, one thing that I loved, I don't. I'm probably not the only person who noticed this, but on the second to last page, um, when Charlie, when they do the flashback to Charlie at the book signing, um, and you. Uh, you see Charlie talking to Sailor. Um, I didn't notice this until last night, but the mother's face is blacked out. Yes. You see Sailor's face. Yep. And you see the faces of, you see the 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 lower portion of everyone else's face, but the mother's face is blacked out. It's really interesting. No, there are a lot of really interesting, like foreshadowing sort of touches that he works um, into this, which is, are really hard to do well um but he seems to do it so seemingly effortlessly which must not have been effortless at all because he is a master sure It's kind of like Egon Schiel, a, a lot of his artwork. It's it's this sort of weird, it's all weird angles and yeah. high impact. It's just really beautifully, beautifully done. Well, he's, I, I, he's subverting, right? There's so, many, there's so many images in here where you're like, wait, this is an odd angle. And I recognize that it's not quite the way it should be. And it keeps you kind of off kilter a little bit. It keeps you from getting comfortable um, in a way that you, you know, is really effective. I felt like. Yeah, it's. Re I mean, even the even the the um, the scenes that take place in the middle of the day, everything's just slightly unsettling. Yeah. But nothing that you can like put your finger on. You're just like I'm uncomfortable and I don't know why. Um, uh, like a Thanksgiving dinner at my parents' house. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I love my. You parents. knew exactly why you were uncomfortable. That's true. That's true. <laughs> I, I, anyway, um, we'll get into that offline. That's yeah. the bonus content for our Patreon. Don't worry about it. Um, Speaking to the art, we, I definitely think that, um, to interrupt you, Matthew. Please um, do. I definitely think that towards the beginning of it, it's a lot more bright colors, less intense um horror detail i guess you would say mm -hmm. like towards the end it's got a lot more of the splotchiness a lot more of the um background detailing the atmospheric feel to it 
And um, I feel like that does play also into this idea that it's supposed to be very light, very fairytale-y, um, that they're just a family. They're just moving to another town. Things are supposed to be super light. They're having a different change, you know? Um, but then th- little things start happening, and that's when they start really introducing the really intense atmospheric changes where towards the end you can barely see what's happening because it's just so dirty almost, I guess. Um, you really have to dredge the story out of the drawing. Like you really have to dredge it out of the design that he did. And it's really amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, it's just absolutely beautiful. Now I know that, that, um, uh, Jock and Scott Snyder actually worked together. Matthew, was was Batman Black Mirror before this or after this? Oh, way before this. This okay. was because um, Black Mirror was 2010, 2009, 2010, a little bit 2011, I want to say. 2010, 11, um, where they were working together on the Dick Grayson story. Okay. So, yeah, this I, I this is so one They of, were familiar with each other. They knew how to work together. Yeah, this is one of those things where um, it's almost like saying... Um, you know, well, we have a shorthand, so we can really we know we Absolutely. can do this well because yeah. I can't imagine doing this with someone where you're having to explain. You know, where you can't just say to someone, I "Just do this." I think it'd be, yeah. I think it'd be cool. Um, there were two things that I wanted to. Um, there were two things that I wanted to bring up. One of which I only wanted to bring up because I wanted to make a joke out of it, which is at the scene in the very end uh, when, again, when it's the flashback. And he says, oh, you know, all the feelings I'm ashamed of, fear, guilt, anger, and desire. And I was like, this is like a Jedi Knight thing, right? Like fear leads to anger and anger leads to hate. I'm like, are Jedi, do, do Jedis not like horror stories? They're just like free of, they don't have any fear. I don't know. Um, that was one thing that I wanted to just sort of. I, I think that they're just Star Wars fans. They're that's... Ju- okay. That's probably more likely it. I, it was just one of those things. Um, but did anyone... Did everyone, did every, I was about to sound like a teacher. Did everyone read the essay at the end of the book? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. It, it did not strike me until he was talking about the story about uh, when uh, Scott Snyder was talking about the story about his son and the tooth fairy, where I was like, we tell children horrible things. Yes. Santa's always watching you. The tooth fairy comes into your house. Um, and what are we doing to our children? Why it's Dahmer Doppler. It's, that's all it is. It's Dahmer Doppler. If you do it a certain way, it's super creepy. If you do it another way, it's heartwarming and comforting. Yeah. It's... Is it though? Well, you know, interestingly enough, the Santa story in the Netherlands is a little different. The Santa story in the Netherlands is Santa might leave you presents, Santa might hit you with a switch, or if you're really bad, Santa might stuff you into a sack and take you back to Turkey. Mm-hmm. So, yep. no, especially not right now. There's a lot of things that we tell our children. Um, I'm trying to think of some of the things that my, I was trying to think of some of the things that my parents uh, told me as a child that, that freaked me out. Um, and I couldn't really think of, things that my parents told me that freaked me out so much as something that happened where I was like, do you not care about me at all? Which was my mother sent me upstairs to check on my sisters 
who were not upstairs, who were in the other room watching TV. And when I was coming back downstairs, back down the stairs to tell my mother that they weren't up there, they were in the other room, I slipped, fell on my back, and I knocked the wind out of me. And I was coming down the stairs going, <gasps> and my mother is screaming at me, what's wrong with the girls? What happened to the girls? And I was like, I'm the one in pain. Get back to me, woman. Anyway, um, so let's just throw this to you guys. What did your parents tell you that freaked you out? Right. I definitely have one. I have one. Okay. Um, my, I didn't realize this until I was an adult that nobody else had this. Um, but my mom is really in love with the Charlie, Charlie Brown holiday series. Um, so we'd watch them every year, you know, and the Halloween one is, it's the great pumpkin, Charlie Brown, you know, and they have to go. Their Linus really wants to take everyone to the pumpkin patch so they can see the great pumpkin. He's coming. It's Halloween. We have to go see the great pumpkin, which what does that even mean? So my mom thought it was a great idea that we were going to have the great pumpkin. It was going to be like a thing in our house. So every Halloween we would write letters to the great pumpkin and stick them in her mailbox. And then we would have for, since it was Halloween, she would leave black construction paper with white crayon writing on it. Like really creepy white crayon writing. Like (laughs) happy Halloween. And then it would have like a piece of candy tape to it. And she would tell us, you know, the great pumpkin is always watching. He's just anywhere there's pumpkins. That's where the great pumpkin is. He's watching you anywhere there's pumpkins. That's why they had cover faces into them because the great pumpkin has to be watching. It was awful. That's terrifying. <laughs> yeah, it was That's great. Absolutely it was terrifying. Awful. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, we just, we just have to invite them to a future comics corner and have right. the whole family on. I would well, Let's that. do it. What's to stop us? We make the rules oh, here. Yeah. My mom's a middle school teacher, too, so I don't know why she thought that was a great idea. Like, she works with children, so I don't know how that was a thing, but... I, for me, it was um, the classic, if you go swimming too soon after eating, you'll drown. Yeah. Right? Um, my sister, the one that screwed her up was if you eat watermelon seeds, um, they'll grow in your belly and, and will destroy your insides. Basically, those were two of the ones growing up that absolutely just destroyed us. So I was like, I refuse, if we were going to the pool, I just wouldn't eat for the entire day because I would be way too scared. Oh yeah. No, no, no. It's, I'm just saying, what would Charlie have been like as a grandpa? Had he managed to stick with Sailor all the way through, what would the next generation have been like? I think he would have been that grandpa that, um, I think he would have been a really good grandpa, but I think it would have been one of those things where Sailor was like, you're only going to grandpa's house for one hour and then I'm coming to pick you up. That's my, (laughs) that's my thought. Because he's grizzled and he has like nom flashbacks from when they had to fight these things in the woods and he only has one arm. Like he's just, he's super, he's your super fun grandpa, but also he's got a very gnarly past that your mom just does not like to talk about. Um, okay, so uh, I, I want to ask a question here, which is Andrea. Yeah. Okay, so the question that I like to like to sort of always make sure is did I um 
did I make a good recommendation for you? So yeah, reading this was really out of my um, wheelhouse. You gave me a lot of really good recommendations. It was really hard to whittle down the list you gave me, which you only gave me like five in the first place. And I had three off of it that I couldn't pick between. So that was already a good start. Um, I picked this one because um, I really, the descriptions of it were saying that the art style was really cool, which I really love in a comic. I think it's really integral to a good graphic novel is having the art style really speak for the story so that was really awesome to see and then um the characters were really dynamic i really thought the plot was really good um even though it's kind of been done before in a lot of different ways um and it's base it's at it's very stripped down base but it was it was still very good it was like the the classic horror um meets your daily life and yeah adults becoming better adults children becoming adults in the world that's trying to literally eat them alive yeah i thought it was really awesome i was really really glad i got to read this one um for any of our twitch users twitch you twitch watchers watchers the watch for any of the watchers in the woods see how i worked in that horror story wow um I, thank you Thank you so much. I try. Um, for any of the watchers, the oh God, now I'm not going to get it again. For any of our <laughs> Twitch watchers, if you guys have any questions or any comments, um, please feel free to drop them in the in the chat. Um, whether it's anything like, uh, you know, no, John, you're wrong. It's not a fairy tale at all. Or hey, I re really want to read this now, but I don't know a local comic shop in my area. Um, let us know. Matthew and I know lots of comic shops across the across the country, we know um, many, although many. one of us got to take a trip to the UK and visit some comic shops over there, and one of us got stuck at home. Um, yeah, not bitter. Me? No. Um, not bitter at all. Um, Life plays also, out the way it plays out, man. Just saying. So rude. Um, but anyway, so if anyone has any questions, uh, please, please, please um, go ahead and drop us and let us know. Um, the Superhero Podcast, Don't Sue Us, Please, which is what we are. Um, uh, if you would like to, more content like this, um, please do uh, think about supporting us on Patreon. Um, if you support us at the $5 level, it will unlock a list of um, my Halloween recommendations for the whole month of October. So lots of good, scary stuff. Um, I may even, at the end of this broadcast, tease a little something. Um, I don't know why I feel like that. That was just like, whoo. Follow um, the impulse. Anyway, just follow the impulse. Follow the impulse? Okay, I'll just go with it. Um, and then if you do a $10 um, on Patreon, um, that will unlock a personalized recommendation where I will ask you some questions that will seem odd and weird and random to you um but but I not promise, invasive they're not going to be invasive they're not invasive questions no, no. very respectful gen yeah andrea did you would you when i because I, I sent andrea kind of a list of questions were you like where the hell is he going with this no or were you like oh this makes sense no it was totally normal questions like what kind of tv shows do i like that kind of stuff um it was very much just to get the feel for the kind of stuff that i enjoy in my day-to-day -day. um I would say if you're thinking about doing the $10 Patreon, I would definitely do it. $10 is not enough to pay for the the catered consultation you're going to get from John because it was really awesome. Like all of the comics I got on that list, I could definitely read and I know I'd be very happy with all of them. So 
Plus, you get extra content like this. You get behind-the-scenes content. Uh, You get access to things early as well, especially because we have a new season coming up in just a few weeks uh, that we're all really super excited about uh, that we can't quite talk about yet. Um, So, yes, if you are liking what you're hearing and you're excited to see what's coming up and you want your personal own consultation for John's Comics Corner, please do join us on Patreon. Yes, and if you join us on Patreon and you join us at $10 and you get a personalized uh, consultation. Consultation, yes. Consultation. Um, Then, you know, who knows? You may end up um, being broadcast around the world. We're huge in Norway for some odd reason. (laughs) And Columbus, Ohio. I mean, they're very similar. Let's be very clear. They're very similar. Yeah, I, I... was like, oh, Norway. That's great. <laughs> Love Norway. If anyone there wants to sponsor uh, any one of us going out to Norway, I'm more than happy to travel there once we are all allowed to be released from our homes. But um, anyway, so uh, that's just something to do. Also, you can follow us everywhere on all social media platforms at the Superhero Podcast. Um, so you'll get sort of the, um, the, the early scoop on when our comics corners are happening. Um, we are going to be doing one more live. Uh, I, I think we're doing one more live episode. Are we doing a live episode? Or are we not doing it? Are we, I think we're going to be doing one more live episode at the end of the month. Um, we'll keep you posted on that. Um, we're going to be doing one more live episode um, with a whole lot of general. Um, oh yes, we are doing, I was just told, I was just told in my ear <laughs> by our producer um that yes we are doing a um live presentation on the 29th um we're going to be doing it with comic writer vita vita ella who has written everything from uh james bond to uh in the wilds to shuri uh, yes to shuri she's also Um, the uh they are also the uh one of the writers for the jessica jones podcast as well yes and they just did a story in giant size x-men Yep. Uh, oh, and they and um, aren't new they mutants doing, doing new mutants and aren't yep. they doing Marauders? They're. They doing Marauders? Uh, I don't I know. know if it's, a, I don't know if it's ongoing. I know they did the Marauders that just came out. They do so much stuff. Definitely check it out. It's going to be a great, great conversation on the 29th. Um, and before then, you're also going to get the brand new season as well uh, from uh, the Superhero Podcast. So a lot of really cool stuff coming up in October. Yes. Um, now, Josh, let me ask you, even though this, even though this recommendation wasn't personalized specifically for you, did I make a good recommendation? Yes. So, um, for those Twitch watchers, Twitch watchers, um, if you have not yet read the book, um, I would read it despite the spoiler alert stuff. Um, uh, please support your local comic shop. Um, the, this is only $10. It's $9.99. Um, plus tax where applicable. Um, some states do not charge tax on on it's essentials true. like books, and some do. Um, but oh, sorry, it was on that side. Now I have to. I know. I just the witches I are just, coming for you. Now yeah. you're pledged. That's it. It's over. I oh, just pledged. Your selfishness bel- has shown. Believe me, and... when I, <laughs> I when I when I read. The first time I read this book, I'm not going to lie, I had a very difficult time getting to sleep. But what was I saying? 
Oh, now I remember. You were talking about supporting local Sup- comic shops. It's only nine ninety nine. It's only nine ninety nine. Some comic shops allow you to become a member or a subscriber, where you can even get books like this at a discount. Yes, um, and you might say, support. yeah, and you might say, well, it's only nine ninety nine. It's not a big deal. But that ninety nine means more to your local comic shop than you realize. Um, they do. They use it for everything from payroll to keeping the lights on to making sure that they pay their their diamond comic distributors' bills. So. Local comic shops, very important. Shout out to them. Um, Matthew and I both worked at Forbidden Planet, New York City. So we have a special fondness for everyone at New York, at New York's Forbidden Planet. And we want to send a big shout out to them, which is actually where we met Vita. Yes. Well, Vita Ayala was a, an employee there as well. Um, and all, and it, <laughs> that's yeah, true. We all, yeah. Actually, We're very well I, read. I think in my adult <laughs> I think in my adult life, I've only had one job. I mean, I, I think I've only had one job that didn't have to do with books. It's true. And I got you out of it. Sorry. <laughs> um, that's all right. It was actually a good job. I worked in a grocery store. But anyway, um, so, okay. So that is our, um, it looks like we don't have any questions, but that is okay. Um, that is okay. Uh, um, just so people know, I'm going to throw one, um, spooky recommendation for you, um, which is going to be the book, uh, Britannia, which is published by Valiant Comics. Uh, full disclosure, Matthew and I both work for Valiant Comics, but that is not the reason that I am, um, that is not the reason that I am recommending this book, um, because that is, that is that part of my life. This is this part of my life. Okay, uh, Britannia takes place in ancient Rome. It's kind of like if you dropped acid and then read Plato, um, while at the same time you were watching a Miss Marple movie. Um, yeah, that's kind of how I would describe it. Matthew, how is that description? Um, I always like to say if Hellblazer and Game of Thrones had an ancient Roman baby, that's kind of Britannia. Yeah, it's really good. It's really freaky. There's a lot of mind trippy stuff going on there. Um, and um, uh, there are three different miniseries. I would um, I would start with the first one with this, uh, which I think gives you a nice a nice flavor. Again, that is also nine ninety nine at your local comic shop. Um, so you know, uh, I was I was told to say I was told by the producer in my ear, uh, which is not in my ear. Just so everybody knows, I'm reading a chat, but I just. <laughs> I, I feel like I'm on the view. Hi. Um, I, I'm like Whoopi Goldberg, but without hair. Um, okay, so uh, I was told to refer to it as Batman as a Roman centurion, which I think is actually quite a, quite a good description. Um, it's not bad. It's not bad. Yeah, not at all. But there's a lot of, um, uh, there's a lot of like, is this actually happening or is this only going in your mind? Whereas witches to me was very visceral and I had a very sort of, Oh, this is happening right now, and it's urgent, and it's it's gutsy. Um, uh, Britannia is a little more like what, what? what well, Britannia is a detective happening? story. Britannia is technically about the world's first detective sent during Nero's Rome, um, who's put on a case that has no logical answer, but he is a non-believer at a time when the gods were said to influence literally every aspect of your life and so he is ostracized and presented sorry you have to read it to find out 
I yes. don't want to spoil that. I don't want to spoil it because it's it's the, we got to get it in your hands, Josh. Um, yes. Don't want to get your hands. So again, um, just as a quick reminder before we wrap things up, um, I just want to let everybody know again we are Don't Sue Us Please, the superhero podcast. You can listen to us on all of your streaming channels. Um, you will hear uh, another comics corner that we did with someone from Forbidden Planet uh, that focuses on Batman Nine Lives. Uh, Matthew is not fit there for that one. Um, he was away the night that we taped that. It was but, Yom Kippur. Um, however, um, Nora, our um, creative producer, was there, and this was the her. This was actually her very first comic book. Um, so you get to hear Nora's reactions, um, as well as several minutes of chat about Grant Gustin. Shocker. She's very on brand. Um, yeah. She is. She's very Grant, and I she's love her for great. it. She's very Grant, and I love I love everything about Nora. And one of the reasons that I love her, um, she just typed Lee alone. I'm sorry, Nora. I I, I should not say. It. We love Nora, and I wouldn't. When I stop teasing you, that's when you should be afraid. Matthew knows that. Um, if I if I ever stop teasing you, that's when you should be afraid. Um, but anyway, um, so uh, I do want to say, Andrea, thank you so much for joining us. We, I, I can't thank you enough. I'm so glad. You were our first Comics Corner experiment. Um, so thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. This was a ton of fun. I'm glad we got to do it again. So I love talking uh, with oh, you guys. If we're no. going to do horror... There's got to be a sequel, so we've got to have you back again, Andrew. Well, I would love I'm, that. I'm actually thinking because um, because there were there no, both Andrea and I love true crime, mm -hmm. so there were several true crime recommendations on there. So if you want to, um, I can see if I can find you a copy of the the um, the Fog Town that I recommended. Oh, I'd be so excited. I'd okay. love that. Let me see if I can find a copy for you. Yeah. Um, if worse comes to worse, I'll just mail you mine and I'll okay. find it somewhere else. Um, but anyway, um, so thank you for joining us. Uh, again, please follow us on all social media channels at the Superhero Podcast. Um, take a listen to, if you have not heard uh, Wonder Woman, if you have not heard Madame Xanadu, if you have not heard any of our crazy, insane, rambling, behind-the-scenes stuff, please do take a listen uh take the time to leave a review it helps us more than you can realize leave those Again, five stars on apple please yes um <laughs> you need it in your life guys the podcast is amazing i listen to it all the time i couldn't finish the second season quick enough it was awesome thank you yeah. um fair warning do not listen to the first episode of madame xanadu while you're jogging we had someone do that and they almost uh, stumbled off the side of the road just so you know um so anyway again if you um are in a position where you're able to help us out on patreon please do the five dollar level again unlocks a list of my halloween recommendations and the ten dollar patreon unlocks a personal john's comics corner with you um in the meantime don't forget when you listen to the superhero podcast don't sue us please ears open buds in and don't sue us please.